I am from China. If that matters, I was born in China, and now I'm an American. Legally speaking, I'm an American.、Mm-hmm. We tend to visit our family in China, and when we visit China, it's the weirdest sensation for myself because no one asks me where I'm from. No one asks、mm-hmm. me why my face looks like this. Doesn't come up to me because all of a sudden. Thanks to a 14-hour plane ride, I am now the ma- majority.、But、I really don't think the question ever ever gets past where you're from or what are you, and you know, there's there's not much there's not much deeper interest. But, you know, that curiosity is you know to us is, is very important because it it's not just you know for our own cultures. It's you know we we like to we like to travel. We like to be able to appreciate the,、uh, the cultures of everywhere we go. We don't want to go to the touristy spots. We want to make sure we go to a back alley, you know, authentic restaurant. We like to immerse ourselves, and we have that curiosity. So that will probably drive us forever. It takes a while to see the world. Getting real, immersed in truth, intersecting hard conversations with the gospel. We seek and speak the truth about what's going on around us. I'm your host, Rabrina Rettel. Today, my guest is Dr. Louis Yang. Dr. Louis is a leading chiropractor in Lincoln, practicing evidence-proven techniques that are today's gold standard for healthcare. He specializes in back pain, neck pain, sciatica, headaches. Posture and neurological and muscular disorders. Dr. Louis treats patients of all ages with common strains, sprains, and stiffness, issues related to car accidents, workers' compensation, and sports injuries. Dr. Louis graduated from the University of Illinois with a passion for neuroscience and decided to pursue his degree in chiropractic to further apply his understanding of the human body. After earning his doctorate of chiropractic from the National University of Health Sciences, Dr. Louis moved back to Lincoln to support the community he grew up in. He uses techniques and has certifications in chiropractic adjustments and spinal manipulation, pain management, active release technique, activator method certified, sciatica and radiating pain treatment, spinal decompression. Posture and workplace ergonomics, and he is a member of the American Chiropractic Association, the International Chiropractic Association, and the Lincoln Independent Business Association. Dr. Louis is actively involved with his church and the local community. I have to tell you how I know Dr. Yang. Dr. Yang is my chiropractor, and so we have very brief, I would say, snippet type conversations, very short. However, in having those little short, brief conversations, I have found some interesting things about Dr. Yang, and so I kind of wanted to have him on the show so that he could kind of share his story. One of the things that I remember, I think, that really piqued my interest about you, Dr. Yang, is actually—I'm sorry. 
Welcome, Dr. Yang. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> well, good morning, Rabrina. Thank you so much for having me on your wonderful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, I forgot to say that part. Okay. So one of the things that that uh, piqued my interest is that in our conversations, I was talking to Dr. Yang about, which actually I call him Dr. Louis. <laughs> anyway, I was talking to him about wanting to go to the Netherlands because I was writing a young adult book, which now I may not be young adult. But anyway, I was writing, working on a book and I thought the character, one of the characters is an international student from the Netherlands. And so I thought I'd like to take a trip to the Netherlands sometime. So anyway, I was mentioning that to Dr. Louis and he told me that he spent some time in the Netherlands. So then that kind of put us on a whole nother trajectory of stories. Okay. So that's why I wanted to have him here because he has lots of good stories. <laughs> Just to talk about who you are. And so I'm going to let you take it from here. So what's your story, Dr. Louis? All righty. Well, let's start from the present because okay. we'll see how far back my memory still goes these days. So yeah, we'll start, we'll start with the freshest things. So currently my name is Louie, right? Some people call me Dr. Louie and I think I've been called Louie for, oh, for roughly 20 years now and it's not it's not a name that i chose mm. but it, it became it became the pronounceable name let's just mm -hmm. say for the past 20 years i was louis for for five years before that i was Luye or luya as my nickname was that was back in the philippines and back in the netherlands where I lived for five years. I was also known as Lu Ye. And before that, I was known as Yang Lu Ye, which is my given name, my Chinese name, or as I just know it, my name. And so these days, being Louis, right, I get to do a lot of clinic work because that's what I'm doing right now. I'm a chiropractor here in good old Lincoln, Nebraska. And one, there's not much diversity here in Nebraska in general. There, It exists. It exists. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. Mm -hmm. um, it's represented here and there. And I get to be, I, I get to be a Chinese chiropractor in good old Lincoln, Nebraska. And some people are surprised. They see Dr. Louie and it's like, oh, it could be anything. It could be anything. <laughs> but they come in, they're like, where's the doctor? And it's like, I'm here. I'm right here. It's probably because I forgot to put my name tag on. But it's okay. They see my Can last actually name. say that you to know, you? Yeah. When, when they see my last name, they're like, okay, yes, this makes sense. This makes sense. And, that, and that's the life that that's the life of a Chinese chiropractor here in Lincoln. Oh wow! And you know, before and before all this, right? What what was I doing? Well, it's it's a, it's it's living the academic life, going to school, trying to do well, right? The typical. Oh, by the way, I am from China. If that matters, if that matters, I I was born in China, right? Okay. And now I'm an American, 
legally speaking, I'm an American. Mm -hmm. No one really knows that, right? No one really cares. But that's kind of how it goes. And we're immigrants, of course. And typically, what do we think of Chinese immigrants? Well, we think like, oh, you got to be smart. That, that, that's, that's pretty pretty typical. Sure. We try. <laughs> we try. <laughs> and you go to school a lot. Yeah. And that's how we end up here. Hmm. But, you know, going to school, it's, it's different here, right? As a, I'm 30-something years old, and I've probably gone to school for, if, if, if we take my age right now, probably roughly 80-odd percent of my life. Hmm. And I got to do that in many different countries. And so it's been it's been a journey it's been a very very different journey from here to there let's just say in college in college for some reason i got to be like slightly cool <laughs> and you know you you don't really get to define yourself as cool mm -hmm. but in college half of it is just can you hold your liquor Right. No matter no matter where you're from, no matter where you're from, if you can hold your liquor in college, you you're kind of cool, right? People will invite you out because you're not throwing up everywhere and you don't need to be carried home. That was a fun college experience, so to speak. And that probably stems from our good old European culture. If you go to the Netherlands, no one's going to really ask you hey, are you 21, right? You go to the market, you go grab a beer. It doesn't matter if you look prepubescent. Let's talk about how did you get there? Like, how did you yeah. get to Amsterdam? I'm sorry. How did I get there? Nothing. Well, let's see. I, so I didn't go, within my immediate family, it came my mom and dad, I was probably the last one to land over there. I landed over there when I was three. However, my dad and my mom both went over there before me. Not together, but they went over. So my dad went first, and then my mom, and then me. At that time, of course, I wasn't just left on the streets fending for myself. No, I was with my grandparents, my lovely grandparents in China. And so this was the first time out of china and the plane landed in i believe amsterdam is where the airport is it mm -hmm. is and then you take a train over to okay what part did you live in so we lived in a town well okay so the so we lived in wageningen i say a wageningen because it's kind of it's kind of like a twin cities type mm -hmm. of deal and that's what the train station is called so the train station technically is a train station for two of those cities. And so Wageningen. Wageningen was the town that we lived in. Of course, the country is so small that you can just be like, I'm, I'm from the Netherlands. Right? No one asks you, where are you from in the Netherlands? Everyone's just everyone's okay with the Netherlands. But yes, it's Wageningen. Okay, so no one asked you where are you from? Sorry, what was that? You said no one asked you, where are you from? Well, no one asks you more specifically when, 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 you, when you tell someone, I'm from the Netherlands. 
Mm. Right? No one asks you, are you from Amsterdam? Are you from Ede? Are you from Hade? Are mm. you from Wageningen? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, unless, of course, uh, unless, of course, you're talking to someone who is Dutch. Okay. Yes. Right. And so over there, sure. If, oh, over there, if, if people, well, while I was over there <clears throat> in the Netherlands, if people asked me where I'm from, I would probably tell them China because that's probably why they're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> but my dad did his schooling there and that was kind of his ticket out of China. China itself was a very different place back then. Mm-hmm. Um, that was before the before the markets opened, before all this global market deal that we see now. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't that long ago, roughly Uh, 30 years ago before all the import export yes Mm -hmm. before the before china really opened their doors to the whole world which happened i think probably after they hosted the olympics back in uh, 2000 or so so yeah that that was a different china so so people were looking to get out of there for opportunities you know especially especially if you're an academic especially if you want to be a professor if you want to go to a university, you know, the United States of America was the end goal, of course. But you never, you know, when you're going to school, you never know where you're going to end up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Netherlands was where my father went. And okay. so we all came along. So we spent five years there. And growing up there is different. It, it, it's different. You learn to... Well, back from back then, you just think that's that's just your life. Without anything else to compare it to, you just think that this is just my life. Right? You go, you go to the markets on the weekends. You get some, you get some herring. You get some stroopwafels. You get all the other fruits and veggies. Get some cake with actual cream on it, not the weird like vegetable oil stuff that they put over here. Actual whipping cream, right? That's nice. It's something I miss over here. It's like, oh, this looks like whipping cream in the United States, by the way. And then you have a taste and (laughs) if you've been to the Netherlands, the difference is real. So if you go to the Netherlands, dairy is number one over there. Mm. Try everything dairy. Yes. Dairy, lots of dairy drinks, lots of cheeses, lots of bread. Of course, you got to have your bread with your cheese, right? The standard, the standard Dutch lunch is two slices of bread with some cheese in the middle. Hmm. Yes. Now that's what most people, at least back then, that's what most people packed for lunch. And that was considered normal. Normal. Because it's, 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 a, it's a simple country. It's a simple country, right? We think of the Netherlands as the West. But overall, it's very simple. It doesn't, there are no 24-hour stores. Stores close at 4 or 5 in the afternoon. And the streets at least in the public areas, shopping districts and things like that, they're relatively dead after, you know, what we consider rush hour. The store employees get to go home too because they're living their life. And that's just kind of how it goes. If you want to do your shopping, do it on the weekends or do it during the day. Do it before things close. And everyone knows that and that's perfectly normal. So you kind of have this nice, nice life balance, which is good. I remember you saying to me that you said, if I go, I, I need to spend more than a week because yes. I need to immerse myself. And then you said also, 
that I need to go to the small towns instead of just going to the touristy areas to go to a lot of the small towns and to interact with the people in the small towns and eat their food and, and that kind of stuff. And I remember asking you, would I be safe? And because that's not always the case here in the United States, when you go to a small town and that's actually more recently, there's a lot of things you can't do in the United States that you should be able to do that you would feel safe as a person of color, I should say. And so, yeah, I remember I asked you that, would I be safe if I went and I went to those small towns? Right. So what you did you safe? say to me? Yeah. What, what, what would, would you be safe in the Netherlands in a small town? I would say yes, because there aren't that many, like a small town there. It's not really that small. It, it's a good, you, know, you have your, you have your tall buildings, you have your, not, not that tall, of course, but you know, you have, you have, you have your general infrastructure. It's not like the countryside, you know, it's, it's different than some of the, oh, let's say 200, 500 uh, people city that we see here in the United States. They're, they still have you know, a couple thousand people because it's, it's a small country. So uh, you got to use, you got to use the land that you have. And so people are concentrated in these smaller cities, you know, when you compare them to something like Amsterdam, for instance, where you see a lot of diversity, right? You see a lot of diversity there in Amsterdam. And as a tourist, you, you would, feel safer there because you see every one of every kind from everywhere because it's like, oh, it's Amsterdam. And when you go out to the smaller towns, I'd say it's not too bad. It's not too bad at all. I would say it's one of the places that I would feel safer compared to some other countries. And I guess that's mostly because they don't really have such a such a politically charged or you know historically charged racial thinking there there it's, it's not like no matter what color you are over there no matter what race or gender you are it's not always in the media over there and mm. and you know there aren't always those kind of issues over there that are seen all the time on the news and things like that and so people might ask you where you're from. They go, like, oh, where are you from? Right? Are you are you visiting? Or quite frankly, usually they just leave you alone because there's like, oh, you're just probably going to school here, or you just live here, right? People people from all over the place do live in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. although it is a majority <clears throat> a certain skin color, as if they're, they're pretty open to everyone. I'd say it's one of the probably more open places, as long as you're able to communicate with people, and it's relatively easier because the Dutch do know English very well mm -hmm. out of the European countries. So if you do go there, very easy to communicate, get your point across and it's never really security has never really been much of an issue for us mm -hmm. at least in the past you know 30 years we've gone back two or three times since we left there and it always feels the same right the stuff that we hear on the news here like oh my gosh shooting here oh my gosh mm -hmm. you know this issue you know a lot more uh, now yeah there's a lot more there's a lot of shootings and then there's also a lot of targeting racial and ethnic 
targeting of both Asian Americans and um, African Americans. As we know, more recently, we've been seeing it a lot. So it is interesting that because the Netherlands is primarily, this is an assumption, Caucasian. Is that correct? Yes, that is very correct. <laughs> okay, yes. Not just any Caucasian, they are very tall as well. <laughs> okay, but I just, I just, it's just interesting to me that, that the different mindset and perception. There wasn't something else that you said, and okay, after this, I want to get back to how your, how your dad chose to go to the Netherlands. But okay, so you, one thing you did say to me also is about uh, people leave their blinds or their sh- curtains open because people know that you don't look in other people's homes. <laughs> that's right. I know that's something that's so small or some, but that was just so fascinating to me that there's this sense of decorum that it's impolite to do that. So you just don't do it. Yes, where you don't have to close yourself in because people are going to get all up in your business and want to see what's going on on your house. Because I'm the type of person when it's dark, when it starts to get dark, I close. Right. Yeah. And, and that's totally understandable here because everyone wants to take a peek into your life over here. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's dark. It's like, oh, I can see what's going on inside, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially when the lights are on. And, you know, and half the time over here, I probably don't have pants on. So I would close them anyways. And of course, if you don't have pants on in the Netherlands, they probably do close their blinds. But, but since most people don't close their blinds, they do have pants on. So it's one of those nice, nice, nice perks to having your windows open. You can make, make sure that everyone is always dressed at all times. But yes, there's that common courtesy, right? There's a common courtesy where... There, when you're in your home, it's your private life. Really, nothing from the outside is going to bother you. And huh. that's kind of how people treat each other, too. You know, you meet someone on the bus or the train. They might pry into your life quite a bit, you know, out of curiosity, of course, no malice. But over there, most people will probably keep to themselves. Mm. You know, out of respect, unless you engage with them on a certain topic. But they mm. probably won't pry too much into your personal life that's very interesting for instance and you know if you're if you're someone who is a minority there that's almost kind of nice mm-hmm. because it makes you feel it makes you feel normal mm. and i say that because you know we tend to visit a family in china and when we visit china it's the weirdest sensation for myself because it's no one, no one asks me where I'm from. No one asks mm. me why my face looks like this. No one asks me, why are you this color, right? It just doesn't, that question doesn't come up to me because all of a sudden, thanks to a 14 hour plane ride, I am now the majority. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm living the life of the majority, you know, just because I flew somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And you get a little bit of that in the Netherlands because there's a common courtesy that they won't really pry into you. And that's it. You know, as a minority, sometimes, you know, if you live somewhere else, if you're a minority somewhere, you, you, you appreciate that because it's like, Oh, you know, I feel like I belong here because no one is saying or asking if I am from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
that's a nice feeling. And, yes. and I can only speak to the Dutch, you know, that that's typical Dutch culture. Hmm. It's, not, it's, not, it's not like that everywhere in Europe, but right. uh, definitely in the Netherlands. It's um, very interesting. Today's shout out is for Cairo Louis. Chiropractic and Wellness Center owned by Dr. Louis Yang, the doctor of chiropractic care. Dr. Louis understands that back and neck pain can affect people of all ages. Dr. Louis takes the time to work on both joints and soft tissue to help you feel better faster. Services that Dr. Louis provides are chiropractic adjustments, acupuncture, auto injury care, and workers' compensation. Dr. Louie is a trusted in-network provider with most health care plans, including Medicare and Medicaid. Kyra Louie is located at 2550 Superior Street, Suite 170 in Lincoln, Nebraska. Check out his website and schedule an appointment online at kyralouie.com. And the link will be in the show notes. So are your are your parents are they in China now or where so are you? My parents are in wonderful Nebraska. Oh, okay, they live here. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about how did your father choose to go to the Netherlands and what, what was he studying and then how right. he got so, to Nebraska? Yeah. So back then, you know, it, it start it all starts in China because the the school the way you go into college after high school is very different. Like over in the United States, you're like, I want to choose my mate. I might be undecided for a while, but it's not the case over there. In China, you get, it's a, it's a one chance deal. In high school, you, in high school, you take a test, you select the, you select the potential, like you rank your majors. This is my first choice, second choice, third choice of majors that I want to learn in college. And you try to test into those schools. And once you select that order, you do not get to change that no matter what your score is. So if you're, you know, for my dad, you know, my dad wanted to be a doctor. However, back then he was really unsure if he was able to test into a medical school there. And the problem is, you know, if he selected that, if, if he selected number one, I want to go to the medical school, you know, after high school, and and he didn't meet that th- score threshold, he would basically just not be able to get a college education. Hmm. And so given that risk, he didn't put that as number one. He chose he chose something in agriculture. He, he chose soil science hmm. because, you know, a China is very agriculturally driven, and that seems like a great idea back then, right? Yeah, soil science, the coolest thing ever. But, you know, you do it, you do it because, you know, it's like, okay, this this is a good backup plan, and I should definitely be able to do this. You know, it's, it's the safe plan. And, you know, after, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and after, you know, after he got his results, like, yeah, he, he, he definitely could have gotten into the medical school, but that was such a risk. That was such a large risk back then that he couldn't take it. He couldn't take it for the sake of, you know, his future, his family's future. And so that's just kind of how it goes. So then it's like, great, I'm now going to become a soil scientist, mm-hmm. right? That, that, like that just sets you, <clears throat> sets you up on that path because you're really, you know, you can't switch your major. 
you can't switch back then you can't switch your major once you're there that school is dedicated to that major and there's nothing to change to and you can't really transfer into a different school at that time it's of course different now but it still has a lot of those elements especially those that initial testing element um, over there so <clears throat> of course he got high marks there you know my mom and he met he met my mom at the agricultural university so maybe it was fate but anyway um <laughs> so yeah so they were they were they were ranked number number one and two at the university and my mom was valedictorian my dad was salutatorian i think wow. that's what they call it here mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, i don't know I, was, I heard that word like five years ago and i was like okay i will remember this word <laughs> salutatorian it's like, i didn't know that was a thing i thought if you get second place whatever but anyways so yeah so when when you do well you get opportunities to you know potentially uh go out of the country a lot of people go out to the the UK back then, a lot of people go to Germany, a lot of people ended up in the Netherlands. And the way we ended up in the Netherlands is because in Wageningen, there is an agricultural university there. And that still exists. And so there's a specialized agricultural university there. And so I was like, okay, you know, he got accepted there to do his PhD. And uh, that's that, you know, it's like, okay, this this is great, you know, no second thoughts going over there, right? When you're, an, when you're an academic, when you go into academia, you will, you know, you will take any chance you can get to go to the West for that education because the research situation in China, even up to this day, it, it's, it's different. It's different. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that all the research is not as credible, but it's a different process where money plays a large role into what happens with your research mm -hmm. i'm not saying it doesn't happen over here of course <laughs> you know it does happen over here <clears throat> but yeah so okay you know you go to a more credible institution you know in the west and then okay after you get your you know phd where do you want to go of course the gold standard is the united states because in all the universities here as far as research goes it's very very well-respected. Right? Mm -hmm. You want to be a professor, you want to come here. And, but that's not, you know, we, we, that's how we got to the Netherlands, of course. And that's why we spent that portion of time. And then and he did his postdoc in the Philippines and then got a job as a professor um, in, in the United States. And something I do have to say is that coming to the United States itself as a Chinese is very difficult because there are very, very, very strict immigration laws mm -hmm. um, that restrict you from coming here unless you are a, a highly skilled individual. Mm. And they limit to a very few, you know, very few numbers every single year. And that's really only set in place for one, China, and two, India, because many years ago, literally congress was like we don't want that many in immigrants of that kind here mm -hmm. and so that that law is still in place and so that's why you you don't see as many chinese or or indian people as much as you probably otherwise would over here mm -hmm. that has a lot to do with it very interesting but yes so that, that that's how we ended up in, in the netherlands getting out of china first 
probably was the hardest hurdle. And they had an agricultural university there. I probably would not have traded the Netherlands for any other country looking back. Mm. I probably still want to go there right now. I mean, I have a great time visiting there. You know, these days as a tourist, it, 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 it's, it's safe, right? It's safe. You get to witness a lot of things. You, you get to keep to yourself. And you get to look at things without people looking at you. Right over here, if I, if I go to a small town, sorry, my accent's changing. If, if I go to a small town and I walk into Dollar General, and you know that feeling. It's the eyes are on you. Yep. Whoa, where did you come from? Over there, you know, you can walk into, let's say, an Aldi's. They have lots of Aldi's there. That's why I like Aldi's here. <laughs> they have lots of Aldi's there. And, and all the aisles kind of look the same. So it's like, oh, this is a little nostalgic, except we don't have the nice cheeses and we don't have the licorice. But I'm okay with that. Right? I'm okay with that. <laughs> Did you say licorice? Um, yes, licorice. I love licorice. Yes, the black. <laughs> have, you ha- have you had European licorice? You know, there's a store here actually called Licorice International. Yes. Yes. Downtown, right? That yes, in in the Haymarket, and that's yes. where I go to get my licorice. Okay. I get I did a, give, a giveaway actually, of uh, licorice from there because it's my one of my favorite things. Yeah. Although it was red, I think I did black and red. So I know there's a debate on whether or not red licorice is even licorice. <laughs> sure. Yes. Well. Well. If if you go to Holland, they'll be like, what What is red? What's red licorice? Yeah, some people say that's just candy. That's not licorice. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because because licorice over there, you know, usually comes in medallions. They come in medallions, and they're so strong. Yes. There is no hint of sugar in there. It is licorice in your face, and that's a licorice I grew up with. Mm -hmm. So so when people say, I don't like licorice, they say, I I don't like the black Twizzlers. But... (laughs) Over there, if you don't like licorice and you, and you try to licorice over there, you really won't like licorice. Mm, interesting. Because it's licorice <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So how did you decide to... We can go on that licorice thing. Right. Well, the- if you like licorice, you don't, you don't meet very many people that like licorice. Right. right. <laughs> go to a party, it's like, hey, you like licorice? No. Okay, so how did you decide to? Okay, did you go to school here in Lincoln then? I did. So I did. I did just a wee bit end of elementary school is when the plane landed here in Lincoln, in in Nebraska, all the way through high school. Okay, and then you left for college. I did leave for college. My parents, my dad, got a job over in St. Louis at that time before Mm -hmm. I graduated high school. And before our house was sold, I finished up, I finished up, they moved over there. I finished up, I finished up high school here in Lincoln because I really, you know, when you're a senior, it's like, I don't really want to transfer over there just to do a, a little bit of high school. So I stayed here to finish up high school. And then I didn't really apply for college here because you know, like, like everyone in Nebraska does, I didn't apply for college here. So I applied somewhere closer to St. Louis and I, I ended up right outside Chicago. Oh, okay. Okay, so and then what so what brought you back after college? Did you stay for a while and then decide to come back? Like how did you right, get back so, to how did you get back to Nebraska? Yeah, so I, I mean school itself, I spent a whopping eight years <laughs> around Chicago. And quite frankly, that was enough for me. I was like, okay, 
there's a lot of drinking over here, and I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> and my parents, within that time, moved back to Lincoln, Nebraska here. And so, you know, I did, did it really, did I want to come back to Lincoln, Nebraska to practice chiropractic here? No, not really, because it's this, you know, medical licensing has a lot to do with state laws. And I didn't really want to come back here because the state laws here aren't exactly the most liberal, so to speak. Not like, not like I'm a Democrat liberal, but right. uh, as in like liberal as in like I can do a lot of things. Right. Um, and, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if you see a chiropractor here in Lincoln, Nebraska, you, you would walk in, go crack, 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 and you're really done. That's it. And that's what people expect here versus... Let, let's say if, if I stayed in the state of Illinois, if I practiced around Chicago, it would be different because, you know, we're licensed there as uh, primary care physicians because, you know, there is that there is that drive to increase the amount of providers that you can go to to kind of get you started in this medical system because, you know, there's a shortage of primary care providers, right? Sometimes you schedule an appointment, it's like, I got to wait how long? Right, mm -hmm. um, and so for a portal of entry in those kind of states, and so I was like, okay, that's kind of nice. You can do a lot more things there when, when you're when you're credentialed as a physician, so to speak. You know, there's a huge definition between a physician and a non-physician. If you're a physician, no matter what you are, you get a lot more rights as a practitioner. And so I was like, okay, I kind of want to go to one of these states, but at the end. You know, it's like, okay, I really, you know, being an immigrant, you really don't, for us anyways, we really don't have any family, you know, around the country. This is my only family. So it's like, at the end, in the end, family outweighed, you know, just the, the, the practice stuff. And so it's like, okay, I'll make do over here, but at least, you know, we have our family here. And so that's that's why I came back to go to Lincoln, Nebraska. And I like it here because, you know, my reasoning was it's a good place to raise a family. Right. And before I came back here, of course, I, I didn't have a family of my own. I was like, I was just, I was just preparing for the future. I was like, surely I'll just meet my wife here, have kids and they'll love Lincoln. That that was the that's the mindset you need to move back to Lincoln, especially when your colleagues are like, where is that? Oh my gosh! Why are you going back there, right? Because yeah, everyone there is from Chicago, Wisconsin, uh, you know, Milwaukee, things like that, big cities. And, but you know, I grew up here. I grew up here in Lincoln, and I had a good time. You know, I see what's out there, and I think, I think, relatively speaking, I had a good time here. You know, is it the most diverse place in the world? No. Is it the most inclusive? Are people vomiting on the side of the street all the time? No. So it's like, okay, I, I can settle. I can settle for here. And of course, shortly after coming back, I met my wife, got married in a few months, had, you know, had our first child. We're expecting this month for our second. And, you know, it just kind of... Congratulations. Yeah. The definition of your life changes. And you know, once all these things happen, it happens. And, you know, those other ideals, you know, ideal practice location, ideal, ideal city, things like that. It, it, it stops, it stops being so heavy. It stops mattering so much. Those become lesser values. And, you know, to me, family always comes first. And so, you know, it's nice to have the grandparents here too. 
right? But, you know, my wife doesn't have uh, much family here in the United States either. So, you know, it's good for her to have, you know, mother-in-law, father-in-law here. It's just a larger family here. And as an immigrant, I think it's very important to, to have family, right? People you can rely on because you haven't had as much time here to build that old network, so to speak, right? Otherwise, you know, some people say like, yeah, I have an aunt and uncle here in Idaho, you know, down, you know, down there in Georgia, but you know, cause you can go to places, you have someone to fall back to, even if you're not here. But sometimes when you're a smaller family, a uh, smaller immigrant family, uh, you know, this is all you have. This is all you have. And this is the most reliable, you know, group of people that you have, you can rely on all the time. And that's nice. That's nice to have. And, True. you know, as a, you know, when you're younger, you're, we're always like, I just want to go somewhere else and see the world. And I guess, thankfully, thankfully, I've seen a lot of the world already. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm okay with settling here, right? Because I can always, you know, Omaha airport is a drive away and, it has a direct flight to Vegas, which is not great for me because I don't want to go. <laughs> but it'll take me to Minneapolis. It'll take me to O'Hare. It will not take me to, well, it might take me to Seattle. No, it won't. Never mind. It takes me to Denver. But anyways, uh, yeah, you know, you, you can go places. You can go places from here. So I'm like, okay, it really doesn't matter where or where, where I am geographically, you know, because I started val- valuing family more. And... Yeah, that's why that's why I ended up back here in good old Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay, so Dr. Louie, you and I were also talking about I think it I think we got into we were talking about different foods, I think. Yes, <laughs> and exactly. uh I think that's how I found out you were in a multicultural uh marriage. That's right. Uh, so let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, so as I said, I am Chinese, one hundred percent Chinese. Yay, my wife is mexican can i say 100 percent mexican i think she's I, I think she's like a quarter spanish not like just regular hispanic but like spanish like i came from spain europe spain over mm-hmm. to mexico i think i think her grandfather was from spain so mm-hmm. i think she's a quarter spanish so to speak but anyways you know over here she's known as mexican right and so i'm chinese she is mexican and it's not it's not a very common combo over here is there a you know is there a cultural divide not really right she you know she's well traveled i'm well traveled it's mm-hmm. like, okay you know it's, it's 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 normal for us because it never really came came up as an issue it's like you like tacos yes you like kung pao yes right but we like the authentic stuff the the, the authentic kind from each place it's like whoa you like that one? It's like, yeah, right? It's like, that's the connection right there. Mm-hmm. Right? If you, like, if you, <clears throat> if you know Kung Pao, you know that it is finely diced stuff, stir fried, not just random stuff, stir fried, finely diced vegetables, meats, and peanuts, all evenly shaped together. And if that's what you appreciate, you know. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just, it's just those, those kind of details that you know really kind of drew us together right? you know the difference between americanized ethnic food and the actual cultural representation of the ethnic food that you're speaking of is what you're saying exactly it's like and then of course you know it's like like do i like tacos sure i like tacos but what kind of tacos do i like it's like okay 
I like a bit of intestines in there. I like a bit of cow tongue, lengua. I like a bit of al pastor, but not just a regular al pastor. I like it carved from a trumpo, so to speak. It's a, it's one of those, you, you see those a lot at, at, at Euro restaurants, like legitimate Euro restaurants where they carved the meat off the spinning uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yes, like that, 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 that's the kind, you know, I was like, okay, you get it. You get my culture, right? Because, you know, we do, we do connect over food. Mm-hmm. And we like to cook a lot because, you know, that's the only way we can, we, we can get it the way we want to. And, you know, and that, that, that's really what connects us. But, you know, uh, when we're out, out and about, I think this happened just last week, you know, the cashier was like, where, where are you from? So I was like, I'm from, I'm Chinese. And then she's like, she, she, ni hao. And it's like, great. Thank you. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, 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 and then she was like, oh, you don't really speak it, do you? I'm just like, I do, but not like that. <laughs> now, that was the end of my conversation with her. And then, and then, and then she, she, she looks at my wife, she's like, what are you? And she's like, Mexican. She's like, oh, buenos dias. She's like, yes, great. This is a terrible interaction. But then, but then I, I asked her, you know, because we, we had our two-year-old with us. I was like, what's that make him? And she's like, just silent. <laughs> it's like we, we, we don't know, right? Because on, on, on our on our demographic boxes, right? I get to check like one box. My wife gets to check two, right? Caucasian. You get to, you get to check the wonderful Caucasian box, and then you get to check the Hispanic box because they're like, "Are you really Caucasian?" Mm. Latino. I was like, ah. Anyways, but you know, my son gets to check a lot of them. Mm. Right, my check. My son gets to check more of those demographic boxes that you see on forms and the census. So he's like, "What is he?" Right, and since he gets to be raised here, I'm sure he's gonna be asked that question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's gonna grow up. You know, he 100 bond, fide American. He can run for the president's office. You know, we we always tell him, "It's like you're the first one in the family, and they can become president." Mm-hmm. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure, sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. One of those things, except we have to change your name to like George Foreman. But anyways, you know, it's one of those things where he's going to grow up here and it's going to be different because everyone's going to ask him, what are you? Mm. He's going to mm-hmm. have to explain to them how his parents are Chinese and Mexican and how that all mixed together and how he's whatever he is. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll hear that when he's like 14. <laughs> Yes, probably earlier, probably middle school. I remember my kids, you know, I my kids are I'm also multicultural or actually what they deem as interracial when when you're black and white, they just say interracial. But that's been my experience anyway. But both of my children, you know, since they're biracial, they get they I think it was like in middle school. That's when there was a lot of questioning about what are you? And being mistaken as other ethnicities. And my daughter was, you know, she people thought she was Latina or that she was from India and, you know, she'd say I'm half black, I'm half white, but you explain that every single time. Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah, so it does. And then for my son, he's a very light uh, complexion. And so, and so people ask a lot and, <laughs> and I think he shows some of his ethnicity through his hair. He wears a fro. And so then people kind of okay. like, oh, okay, I think he might be part black. <laughs> right. <laughs> because of that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just thought that it's interesting that how people are so curious to know what are you? Like, that is such a 
the question. So I guess interesting is the wrong word to use, but it's just, I just can't get over how people are so confused how so what is the word interested in knowing what you are like why what does that mean to you when you find out what i am you know what i mean it's like it's it's true yeah because we we're different we're different from them and that's confusing and sometimes scary and now sometimes i ask people i'll say where you from or are you from nebraska because i'm not from nebraska right so sometimes i i didn't realize how people were taking it until this other young lady said something to me and she said well if you're wondering i'm from and i said oh no i'm sorry i didn't mean it that way i mean i'm a transplant and so i always want to (laughs) know because i'm not from here so i always want to know were you born here or did you come here and i always want to ask that question because i always want to know what brought you here Right. As Nebraska's not one of those places where people just, you know, go on the map and say, I want to go live there. There's usually exactly. something that brings yes. a person to Nebraska, whether it's I want I went to college here or I have family here or my husband is from here, you know, stuff like that. So that's why I'm always curious. And I had to learn not to ask that question because it was taken offensively and not in the way that I was presenting it. But yeah, you- it's one of the hardest questions that I probably have like like attempted to ask people is where are you from or you know why you know it's feel if for me it feels weird right it, feel, it feels weird coming out of my my mouth because I feel like the response that they're gonna give me is well where are you from <laughs> <laughs> you know unless we're already on that topic I, I'm usually not the one who initiates that conversation. <laughs> yeah, and it's also- unless no, you know, these days I I only ask it when people come in with a weird insurance, and I was like, "Where are you from?" Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I try I try not to even ask that question anymore. I try to pose in a different way. Like, I'm from Texas. Yes. Did you grow up in Nebraska? You know, because that's how that's how I because I don't I I don't the the winters I don't like the winters. And Winters are weird here. I and mean, then when I <laughs> mildish, but yeah, this has been. bad. But when people, when I find people from Nebraska who don't like the winter, I'm encouraged because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. It's not just because I'm I grew up living in, in warm climate, mostly in right. Texas. So, oh, okay, oh. then it's not just me. It, you know. Yeah. So uh, anyway, but yes, there's a way. So I'll, actually, to the people out there, and it, to be honest, it's considered impolite to ask people of different ethnicities, where are you from? Because it, it it gives a impression that you don't think they're American. Right. Or <laughs> the weirdest thing, right? I, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever ans- told anyone I'm American because then they would just look at, well, actually, sorry, I, I did say that a few times and then they just said, no, but where are you like from? <laughs> yeah, where are you from from? Yeah, where, where you're from from, yeah. And I was like, well, you know, but it's, it's okay. You know, then at least I know what the what information they're trying to get. And I know I have interest in different cultures. And so sometimes I like to talk to people because you can read, you know, about different cultures. But conversations yeah. to me are different because so different. they're so personal and their experiences are so personal. So sometimes I like to have those types of conversations. But there is a fine line of having conversations about people's culture and having them in an offensive way or having them in a I'm fascinated with you because you're different than me way instead of a I'm interested in you you know there's a there's just a 
learning how to have conversations with people because you're interested where the, then I'm fascinated with your, right. what is it? Exoticism? Yeah. yeah. So I really don't think the question ever, ever gets past where are you from or what are you? And you know, that's, there's not much, there's not much deeper interest. Usually they just want to define what you are, right? They just want to define what you are and they want to know what you are and they want to make sure that you're not them. But you know how you find those things out? You have a relationship with people. Right. <laughs> you, actually have, you actually have a relationship with someone of another culture and they will share with you yes. their cultural experiences, their norms, interests, their foods. You know, the, it's a natural part of any relationship. You're going to learn more about the person. I don't know if I asked you. I don't think I did ask you where you're from. I was just so fascinated that you were in the Netherlands. I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, I want to go there. In the Netherlands, tell me all about it. <laughs> yes, that's kind of how we, and then each conversation we had when I would come in, I'd, I'd learn a little bit more about you. And and this was just in our regular conversations. I know it was right. really odd. I mean, literally, we may have 10 minutes max that we were having these conversations. <laughs> I started picking up oh, yeah. little things here and there. And then I was like, oh my gosh. Necessity. Right. <laughs> right. And just and just those little snippets, you know, I was picking up things about who you are and your interests. And then when one time we talking about the foods and uh, I think because I went someplace else and ate something and then we started talking about food and you were talking about whether or not it's original or real to the culture, you know, the food. And that's yeah. kind of how we got into other areas of your life. And I was just like, wow, this is actually so interesting. Yeah, yeah, usually my wife, whenever my wife sees something, like if we go to the Mexican place and then she sees something on the menu that she hasn't had in a while and she had it as a kid, she'll, she'll like, like two days later, she'll ask me to make it at home for her the more authentic way. Mm. Just, just over the weekend, she's like, I'm kind of craving. I was like, what, what do you want for breakfast? And she's like, can we have uh, huevos con, con nopales? I was like, sure. Like, let's. Egg, egg, eggs with eggs with cactus. I'm like, sure, mm. I will make you eggs with cactus right now. Thankfully, we have cactus. Thankfully, we have too many chickens. So we have a bunch of eggs. <laughs> and that's how that was breakfast and lunch on mm. Saturday. That's very right? interesting. And because she saw that on the menu at a place mm -hmm. that gave me the runs because <laughs> it wasn't that authentic. Oops. <laughs> but, you know, because, because, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of. That's kind of that's kind of how we operate. One thing I I picked up about your when you were talking about how you all met and everything is that you, both of you all have been were well traveled, well read, and so when you came together and you found this little common thing, which was the re, a real or authentic um, types of food, like that was a key that was a clue to you all that okay she really knows the deal or he right. really knows the deal. And so then that kind of brought you all more into they under each other understands the authenticity of each other's culture and then just kind of moved you all into uh, more relationship. And so I just thought that was really interesting that it could be something what we look at is very small and like people converse about often, but because of how authentic you were able to describe things. You knew the other really was going to get you. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, because you really, you, you really need that curiosity to really want mm -hmm. to learn about right, right. Because you know, if you, if if you if if you've lived in Nebraska your whole life, the world is kind of scary based on you know the things we see mm -hmm. until you actually see it, and mm -hmm. you know you really need that curiosity to drive you away from here. You know, whether it's vacation or if you're living abroad, but you know that curiosity is you know to us is is very important because it. It's not just, you know, for our own cultures, it's, you know, we, we like to, we like to travel, we like to be able to appreciate the, the cultures of everywhere we go. Yes. And otherwise, we would just jump on a cruise and it would take us to the ports and we get some souvenirs and come back. But we want, we want, you know, we don't want to go to the touristy spots. We want to make sure we go to a back alley, you know, authentic restaurant if, mm -hmm. if we are going somewhere or just, you know, half the time we'll just go. Go, go to the market, right? If you go to the market, it will 100% almost always be authentic because that's what everyone else is getting. Mm. And mm -hmm. you know, we go to the market, we get the stuff, you know, if we have a, if we have a hotel that has a kitchenette, great. If not, well, we're making weird microwave food <laughs> out of the, the, the fresh veggies and stuff like that. But, you know, we, we like to immerse ourselves and, you know, we have that curiosity. So that will probably drive us forever right it takes it takes a while to see the world mm -hmm. we'll really never see it but you know wanting to see it you know whether it's the world or you know kansas right or or anywhere else in the united states as well you know that curiosity drives us to places and you know we, we like to share that with our with our kids as well Dr. Louie, thank you so much for uh, sitting with me and having this conversation. It was a very interesting conversation. I knew it would be <laughs> just from our little snippets. But thank you so much. I, I greatly appreciate your time and for um, talking to us about your travels and how curiosity can just open up the world for you. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Rabrina, for having me. It's really, really fun to share these kind of things. We don't really have, you know, that many people to share it with sometimes. And it's always it's always nice. It's it's nice to meet someone who's curious and yeah. share this with the world. So that's all and you know, we really appreciate that you took the time to let us on here. All right, my pleasure. I see you soon for an adjustment. Yep, sounds good. We'll see you soon. Please lift up in prayer those who have been recently targeted by violent hate crimes. For more information on the immigration laws that we were discussing, check the link in the show notes. Also in the show notes are links to groundbreaking contributions made by Asian Americans. Don't forget to give Grit, Getting Real, Immersed in Truth, a five-star rating, follow, and share. Getting Real, Immersed in Truth is written, produced, and edited by me, Robrina Reddle. Original music by composer Michael Coffey of Handcrafted Studios. Connect with me on Instagram at Rabrina Rettle and check out my website, RabrinaRettle.com. I also have another podcast on Life Audio, Mama Take Heart, Understanding Your Gen Z Girl. It's designed to help mama be the compassionate, gospel-centered, and influential voice in her girl's life. Okay, friends, until next time, keep your head up when getting real while immersed in truth. <laughs>